0: It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Eric Levy. Welcome to the Friday edition of Daily Thunder. It's been a fun week as far as our focus this week has been very Ellerslie-esque. That's a great way of saying it because what we've been dealing with are, in a sense, the five foundational truths that sort of hold our entire training, our entire discipleship process together and give it a sense of purpose, give it a sense of uh, definition. And so we call this the five fingers typically, but for this week, we've called it the five fabulous fingers just to get you even more excited about it because they really are fabulous. But it's the five expressions of the Word of God. And this is what we believe, and this is what transforms us, and this is what gives us a sense of purpose. So uh, let's go through those uh, as we get started. This particular message is going to be the fifth of the five, because Nathan Johnson is gone this week, so I've had all five of the uh, weekly sessions uh, this week, and which has been fun. By the way, it's been great being with you guys five straight uh, days for Daily Thunder uh, but this one's called the love, which is an interesting way of expressing it. Just like yesterday was the life, which was an interesting way of describing the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the five uh, fabulous fingers. So they're all going to start with the same, the word of God in. And so the word of God in text or in textual form, written form, is called scripture. And we know this is the Bible. And this is the foundation of all faith. God desires to be known So he has given us something. He loves us so much that he gave us something. He gave us his word. But his word in text reveals the word in person. So that's what we call the second one, the word of God in person, which is known in the scriptures as Jesus. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. He has many names, right? Same guy. The word of God in person is Jesus. So the text reveals the man. And yet it doesn't just reveal the man, it reveals what this man is going to do, which we call the Word of God in action, or the cross. Now the cross is a general term, sort of like a bucket term, to describe all of the work that Jesus Christ is going to do. The pinnacle of his work being the cross, the fullest enunciation of the Word of God, the nature of God. That which is invisible is made visible in and through, not just the man but what he's doing on that cross. And we understand the love of God. We understand the justice of God. We understand the righteousness of God. We understand the zeal of God. We understand uh, the holiness of God. All wrapped up in this expression of the cross. The action of God expresses the word. And so, and I don't know if you guys noticed that. It says the word of inaction. It's probably said that all week, hasn't it? And I haven't <laughs> noticed it until right now. The word of inaction. The word of God in action. And the word of God in us, which is the Holy Spirit. So that was what we co- covered yesterday, is what Jesus Christ has done for us in coming and giving up his life. Those first three in the list are where we place our faith. We place our faith in what the scriptures say about what, who this man is and what this man will do. We believe he is God in the flesh and that he is able to save us, that he was a pure and spotless lamb of sacrifice and that his shed blood is actually efficacious for us, which is a term for effective. It works on our behalf. We place our faith there and it changes us. We are born again. We are made new. And what happens is we are clothed in Christ Jesus and the term Paul uses is we are in Christ by faith. Therefore, we share in his death, we share in his burial, we share in his resurrection life, and when he ascends to the Father, we ascend in him, and we are seated in heavenly places in Christ, in order that we might now be receivers of the Holy Spirit, so that the life of God might dwell in us, and that of, is what we termed the word of God in us. And this leads to... He called the whole point. Why did God do all of this? He, he didn't, you know, because a lot of us think, I believe in Jesus, why don't I just go to heaven? Why do I have to now traverse this, you know, earthen realm and go through all the sufferings and trials? Why do I still have this? If the end goal of God was just to save me and to forgive me and to get all that right, then I should just go right now. And Believe me, I've had that thought many times. It would be really nice to be there instead of here. However, there is something that God is up to and his desire is that he created us and stuck us in this world on purpose for a reason. There is a design that God has and when we receive the Holy Spirit, we can now fulfill that purpose. So we've been using the illustration. There's a reason why we call it five fingers and that's because it's like a hand, right? And so a hand has five fingers. God's right hand is his saving hand. And yet, It says of God that he is invisible. No man has seen God at any time. And it always is a little tricky for us when we hear that. We're like, wait a minute. I thought, hasn't there been a revelation of of, of God in the natural realm? And we could say, yes, Jesus has expressed the invisible in and through his life, in and through a body. We have seen the revelation in the natural realm of an invisible God. So we've likened that to like a work glove that is made in the image of the invisible hand, and that when it submits And yields to that hand, it actually makes that invisible hand visible. So you can actually see the movements. And that's exactly what Jesus was. And that is what, when the Holy Spirit is given to us, it's like the hand that moves inside of us as a glove. We were created as work gloves. We've just been in rebellion all these years. Sin distorts our purpose. We were intended to reveal the invisible. But as long as God is not in us, there's no way we can do that. And so the word of God through us is the fabulous finger number five, and we call it Christianity. So Romans 5.5 5 says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Remember what I called this one? I called this one the love. Now, we could call it Christianity, right? And that's a very blanket term for what it is that we're called to. We're called to Christianity, Well, yes, but what is Christianity? Christianity is the essence of the expression of that invisible hand inside of us. What would God do if we yielded to him and allowed him to move inside of us as a hand and us the work glove? What would happen? What would happen is what we could call Christianity, right? That's the result, but what is that? What does it look like? What does it do? And so our term for it, in scripture is love. What comes out is the love of God. You see, when God moves, he moves to love. And as a result, when he moves inside of us, the expression of the Christian is love. Now, we've gotten that mixed up. We think it means to keep high standards, to have high morals, to attend church. We have all sorts of things that we fill in the blank. It's like a Christian will do, and it will fill in the blank. However, there is a movement that is above every other movement. There is a movement that is higher than all your morality. There is a movement that is higher than all your dutiful attendance. There is a movement that is higher than all your sacramental works. There is a movement that is higher. Now, it's interesting because as I say that, I can say, what is that movement? Now, I've been setting the stage for it, and you could say, it's love, and shout out. However, you could also, some of you in here could say, isn't it faith? Okay. And you're like, wait a minute, that's a good point. So I'll get to that, okay? Now I'm going to say the chief movement or the chief purpose of what God intends to do inside of us is love. To get that love, you have to have faith. Remember how I showed you the five fingers and I said we put faith in those first three. The result is that we are clothed in Christ, we are brought near by his blood, and the Holy Spirit now enters into us. What is the chief expression of the Holy Spirit in us it's love, okay? So it's not the absence of faith. It's a complementary work, which I'll get to in just a second. So Romans 5.5 5 is going to enunciate this, and it says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So who's moving in? The Holy Spirit. And what is he pouring out? Love. So the chief gift is what we could call the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, yes, he is giving us love, but what he's giving us is himself, He just happens to be love. Okay, so he's giving us his life. And so the chief gift that we talked about yesterday would be the Holy Spirit. Now look at how I'm going to change the phraseology here. I go from the chief gift to the chief outcome. So why did he give that gift? What is the reason for that gift? What is the result of that gift moving inside of you? When the Holy Spirit moves inside of you, it says in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is, and then you can start filling in the blank from there, right? What is the result of you receiving this Spirit? Well, it isn't just Spirit, you know, oh, well, you have more Spirit, and that's the end result. No, it's actually that the Spirit of God wants to do something in you. He wants to do works. He wants to activate. He wants to go into action mode. So... He is looking for a work glove that will express that which is invisible in this natural realm. You happen to have believed in him and humbled yourself and yielded to him. He's like, aha, now I can fulfill, fulfill my purpose. I have a design for you. I desire to use you to do something very specific, and that is to love. Ephesians 3 is going to talk about this. It's sort of like a hand glove type of relationship that we're going to see. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So your inner man, if your inner glove, right? It's going to be strengthened by something. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. It says, through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That the invisible hand might dwell inside of you as a glove by faith. So how did it get there? By faith. And yet, what is it intending to do? That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So it's just, it's sort of like hand-glove talk, even though that's, Paul isn't using hand-glove as his chief illustration. For us, in our understanding, to sort of wrap our mind around what it means to actually have God move inside by faith to express love. What is that like? Well, that's Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. So if we were to liken the invisible hand to the Holy Spirit and wear the work gloves, then what we realize is that what Jesus Christ has purchased for us is he's purchased for us the opportunity for life to enter into us. And that life, as we discussed yesterday, is an everlasting life. It's an endless life. It's an akitalitas life, which is the Greek word for indissoluble, inextinguishable, unstoppable, unable to be hindered. It is a life that will continue on and on forever and always. So the Holy Spirit is the carrier of this life. He is the essence of this life. And he is like the hand that moves inside of us. So the movement of the work glove. Now here's a key phrase that I want you to just start chewing on in your mind God is most clearly seen through what now I of course I have it on the screen so if you're listening to this be a podcast you're like what, what 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 but it says love okay it says God is most clearly seen through love but I want you to ponder this I want you to chew on this the highest revelation of who God is is seen in and through love there's a lot of other things that God is But the chief revelation of who he is, the summation of who he is, is love. Because all his other attributes flow out of that. This is like the chief revelation. So if we're going to show God, this is what we would show. Now, if you have love, you're also going to be humble, right? You're going to be righteous. You're going to be holy as he is holy. You're going to be perfected by his spirit. You see, there's other things that will flow out that are attributes of God, undoubtedly. However, the chief attribute being love. Ephesians 3, 8 through 10. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. So, now remember, we've talked about grace many times. Not this week, uh, particularly, but in our training, we go through it a lot, sort of expressing that that is the working of God. It's like the hand, it's what the hand does. So how, how do we move? By grace. This is the work of the invisible inside of us. God has given us grace. Not just 2,000 years ago where the hand rescued us in and through the life of Jesus. But now that same hand dwells in us. And it rescues us now. It saves us. And so Paul is talking about that. He says, to me whom less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given And as a work glove, Paul begins to do what this hand is desiring him to do, which is he's being enabled to preach. Preach what? Well, he's preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ to the Gentiles that they would see what is the fellowship of a mystery, which is from the beginning of the ages been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, which is interesting because this is a parallel with Colossians when it says talks about the same mystery, which has been hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So not only is the hand in him, but he wants us to all hear that the hand can be inside of us. That's what Ephesians 3 is all about. It's like we could call it the chapter of grace. It's the enabling power. It's the invisible hand chapter of the Bible, right? And so what we have is this this mystery that has been hidden that God wants to move inside of you that he actually wants to live in us and enable us to function and actually reveal that which is hidden. So look at this. It says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. God is choosing a vehicle of revelation. The text of Scripture is a vehicle of revelation. The man Jesus is a vehicle of revelation his work on the cross, a vehicle of revelation. And then we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which makes us a vehicle, as shocking as this is, that we would be made a vehicle of revelation. The church is what we're called. And God's intent in showing us this mystery, in revealing it to us, Paul is actually being moved to preach this, that you would understand the gospel, that Jesus Christ has done it, that he has created a way for life to return to you, that you could no longer be your own, but that you could be his. And now you could be operated by him, and your movements could be choreographed, your words could be his words, and your life could showcase his glory. Oh, wow. Wow, that sounds like some good news. And it is. This is the foundation of how Christianity functions. So we talked about this yesterday, but when the Holy Spirit moves inside, he now makes us match with the Word of God in text, in person, and in action. So that which the Holy Spirit is doing, he's, the Holy Spirit's the one that carried along the writers to write the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? It's all The Bible's written, if you could say it, by God, through the Holy Spirit, through men. That's exactly what he's still doing. So then through Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills him and fulfills all the scripture. And the Holy Spirit orchestrates all the cross. And as a result, the word of God is being made manifest in and through the text, the man, and the action. And the Holy Spirit was the one that orchestrated it all. And what was uh, fabulous finger number four? But the Holy Spirit moves inside of us and then takes this and makes it a living letter. It makes us an epistle on two legs So that we carry the message of Paul wherever we go. Not just in how we live, but in how we talk and how we behave. We begin to fulfill the scripture. We're not Jesus, but we have Jesus in us, which is a hope that glory would once again be seen of God in this earth. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is a mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed. So living letters, the word of God now being revealed through us, the church. Whoa. So here's our scripture from 2 Corinthians 3 on that. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So, I I know I'm setting you up for a question that is impossible to answer here, right? What's more important, faith or love? So when I'm saying that this is the chief outcome that God desires in our life, it sounds weird to say that the chief outcome in our life is, isn't faith. I mean, of course, he wants us to be strong in faith, right? And so it's a little tense, you know, you get a little friction in the air and in your soul. It's like, I don't like that question. And that's okay. It's probably not the question you should be spending too much time on. However, I want you to recognize the role that each of these play, faith and love, Okay. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So obviously we need faith. Whatever is not from faith is sin. So if we don't have faith, we don't have any of this. Okay, the whole thing is founded on faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by grace through love because you wouldn't even have love unless you had the grace which was gained by faith. So faith is the starter package. It's the original work of God inside of us that we would turn unto the word of God in text and believe it, which reveals the word of God in person. And we would believe that he is in fact God Almighty and that the word of God in action is efficacious to save us and to rescue us. And when we do that, then we are rescued. And we were rescued by faith because that opened up the channel of grace. And grace now, because of our faith, is able to work on our behalf. So now look at this. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, here they are. They're believers, right? But they're not healthy. Okay? They are they're dysfunctional to use a psycho term uh, of modern times. They are not functioning as they ought. They are divided, they are bickering, they are, they have the legalists, and then they have the licentious ones that you know feel like you know grace is their passport to sin. They have all the distortions that we have today, by the way. You read 1 Corinthians like, modern church, is that you? In other words, it's basically the same thing. It's all the tendencies of what the devil will do in and through a church that is not grounded in the right foundations. Okay, So it's interesting. Paul is going through this rebuke book. It's a correction book, and he's going through all their issues. He's like, guys, you think you have it all together, but you're missing the key ingredient, I'll show you a more excellent way. The next word is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Remember, the Bible isn't divided up into chapters and verses. We did that. Not me, personally, but you know, we, after the Holy Spirit carried along men to write it, had divided it up. But it says, I show you a more excellent way. Love. Love is the more excellent way. The word for excellent is hyperbole, if you've ever heard me describe it, which the word hyperbole for us is an overstatement, right? So huperbole, where that comes from, is different in the sense that it is so over and beyond what you could ever dream or imagine. So I've used the the reason I'm doing this movement here, this javelin throwing movement, is because that's the illustration that comes with it. It's like the javelin throw. If all of us got up and we threw a javelin, you know, and I threw it, it reached the end of the chairs, and you're like, hmm pretty good. Uh, and, you know, Ben got up and went to the front of the chair. you're like, mm, not so good. And then Samuel gets up and throws it all the way to the back of the room. And we're like, oh, wow, wow. And everyone's patting Samuel on the back. People are a little disturbed with Ben's throw uh, only to there. <laughs> and, and then Paul comes in and he goes, guys, I want to show you a more excellent way. And we're like, I wonder what Paul could do. You think he could reach the back window? Instead, whoo, he throws it and it literally goes 10 million miles. And we're like, whoa, that's huparbele. It's so exaggerated and beyond what you are thinking. And so God wants to show us a way that is so superior to human action as a work glove. It's like work gloves, you are not supposed to try and do this in your own strength. That is ridiculous. I'm gonna show you the way it's supposed to work. Let the Holy Spirit work in and through you with love. And when you begin to do that, Wow. Everything is settled. The the word of God will be once again revealed in this earth. So Galatians 5, 6. Now, I had to use the NIV translation for this because all of the uh, word-for-word translations phrase it the way it's supposed to be phrased, which doesn't say it as clearly. Okay. So the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's actually what it means. That's accurate. But the other ones have a a statement and then they have this conclusion of faith expressing itself through love. It doesn't say it as clearly. So I'm giving it to you as clear as I can get it here. Sorry to have to use the NIV to do that. I'm not against the NIV. I'm just not usually going to stick it up on the screen. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So there you have the faith and the love. This is how Christianity works. Faith is operative. But to do What? What is the chief end? The chief outcome isn't the faith itself, it's what the faith is going to produce. God intends to plant us in himself so that we can bear fruit. And the fruit isn't faith, the faith is the root system that then bears something, it bears Jesus. It bears the life of God, it bears love. And so that's what matters. Faith is extremely important, because if you don't have it, you're not gonna have the love. But the reason you have the faith is so that You can not just know the love, but now give the love. So love is the impetus behind the word. So when we talk about the word of God in text, the word of God in person, the word of God in action, the word of God in us, what's starting all that? Why is God even doing this? Why is God expressing himself to us in the first place? It's because God so loved the world that he is going to give This is what starts it all, is love. Love is what we could call the impetus. It is the the first thing, the initiator of God's actions. So what do you think should be the initiator of all of our actions? Well, I I, I think it's going to be the same, don't you? So love is also the outcome of the word. So not only is it that which starts this whole revelation of God, God desires to be known. He desires to say something. There's an invisible hand and it wants to say something. It's, it's waving at Sandy, but Sandy can't see it because it's invisible. But God so loves Sandy that he is going to take a work glove and slide it upon that hand, and then Sandy's like, whoa. In and through Jesus, she can see the love of God. And that's precisely then what leads to this revelation of the word of God in text, person, and action. And then Jesus comes, reveals the love of God, and then gives us the same privilege, he says, look, I created you to be delivery vehicles of that same love. So also, love is the outcome of the word. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Whoa, stop there. Let's see. Let's brainstorm what Jesus could say after that. By this, what, what would the outcome be in all of our minds? That you are moral that you're upright and pure. You follow me? I mean, this is how we think. As Christians, we have a tendency to default to that. You know, that you wear these clothes, that you look this way, and or that you act this way. On Sunday mornings, they'll know that you're a Christian because you're in church. You follow me? I and mean, we have this. This is just our little collection that we gather over time, and then we inherit from one generation to the next. When in actuality, the outcome, the chief revelation, the chief giveaway. That we are disciples of Jesus Christ, that we have been born anew, that we are new creatures, that we are not our own. We've been bought, and that the Holy Spirit is actually inside of us, functioning and expressing. By this all will know that you are my disciples. Uh-oh, what, what's what's gonna what does John 13:35 say? Aren't you excited to find out? If you have love for one another, you see, the chief revelation. The dead giveaway that this has actually transpired in our life is that we begin to consider others more important than ourselves. We begin to serve. We begin to give. We begin to live as God lived for us. What's the invisible hand wanting to express? Oh, this poor invisible hand. It wants to say something. It wants to communicate with us, but it's invisible, so we can't see it, we can't understand it. What does it want to say well this is i'm going to bake it down to brass tacks i really really love you so how is he going to say that he gives us text he gives us the man he gives us the action of the cross so that he can give us the holy spirit to express that love and to shed that love abroad in our hearts so that we can then carry that love into this world. And we can be like the work gloves. Just as Jesus was a work glove, we can now actually have the same spirit live in us to express. And though we do it imperfectly and he did it perfectly, we are the chosen, as as Nathan says, the cracked pots. As uh, If you've heard uh, Nathan teach on cracked pots, uh, the reason God loves uh, you know, cracked pots are a great uh, benefit to the kingdom of heaven because God pours into them and they seep out all over the place. He says God has chosen weak cracked vessels. We have issues, right? But out of our cracks seeps the love of Jesus through our weaknesses even. God can be seen. God loves to use weak things. What is love? Well, there's a lot of ways we could define it. This is one, okay? I'm not going to say this is the most superior definition of the word. However, it's a good one. That behavior which is absent of self-interest and wholly occupied with another's gain. So I'm going to read that again. That behavior which is absent of self-interest. But Eric, if you do that, you know what will happen to you? that doesn't matter to me. I only care that they know Jesus. I only care that they are rescued. Well, Eric, if you stand in front of that bullet, you would die. I only care that they would live. You see, this is the life of Jesus expressed in and through us as the church. What would happen if we begin to live that way? If we actually allow that invisible hand to express this in and through us? So 1 John 4, 8 is going to make it pretty simple. God is love. This is what he's about. This is who he is. This is what he does. So if he's going to move inside of us, as Paul is going out of his way to share this fellowship of the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations, that God intends to move in. When he died on that cross, he purchased your body with his blood. He desires you. Why? Just to save you for eternity? No, to use you to fill you. He wants to intimately share his life with you, that in this body, here and now, you could be the dwelling place of the Most High God. And you could reveal that simple fact. Tell me about God, someone could say. And you could say back, I know this is a little daring to say, but just watch my life, and you will know what he's like. I don't know that we want to say that, right? You ever heard about that? That was one of the famous statements in a Romanian prison. This one Romanian pastor was thrown into prison by this one you know, bad guy in the communist government. And the bad guy fell into bad uh, graces with the communists. And he got thrown into the very prison that he populated. Could you imagine getting back at a man, sticking him in the very prison that he stuck everyone in? So and it's a whole bunch of Christians that he stuck in there and this one pastor loved this man, but this man hated Jesus He didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus and this man would follow him all the time around and talk about Jesus with him And this communist guy who hated Jesus was so upset with this He's like will you stop it and finally one day he you know, he blew his top. He's like, that's it That's it. I never want to hear you say another word about Jesus I'll give you one, one sentence. You tell me in one sentence what you want to tell me about Jesus and then never speak again about him. So this guy had one sentence. What are you going to do with one sentence? And so this is what he said. He's like me. Okay, now I don't know if that would be the sentence we would choose. <laughs> He's a lot better than me is what most of us would say. However, God is love. And God desires our life to be defined the same. So, what are your people like, God? Well, they are loving. You see, since God is love, his people that are filled with his very spirit should be loving. What happens when the Holy Spirit begins to love in and through us? So, I know I'm, I'm giving obvious questions. I mean, that's sort of ridiculous to even ask and stick it on the screen. It's like a little kindergartner level, right? But I want us to think about it because most of us have made Christianity something different than love. We've, made, and of course, some people have taken and made it at love and made love something it isn't. You know, so you have all sorts of other issues with this. It says, "Oh, it's all about love." So as a result, we have no truth, we have no standard, we have no purity, we have no holiness because it's all about love. Well, that isn't true either. That's a distortion of love that isn't actually God's love. But what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to love in and through us? Well, as it says in Galatians 5.22, it answers that question. It says, the fruit of the Spirit being in you is love. Now, I have dot, dot, dots after that. It's more than that, too. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? But the chief fruit, love. You will know my disciples because of this. The Spirit of God has moved into that person. Well, how do you know? Because they're full of love. Let, listen to this. this is, now, I have the same verse twice, okay? Because when I'm putting this message together and I'm thinking, okay, I have limited time, what am I going to say on such a massive topic? This is like huge in Scripture. Okay, so what are you supposed to do when you're talking about Christianity? You're talking about the outflow of what God is going to do if you were to get a hold of your life and work through it, okay? That's an impossible question to answer in a daily thunder. So as a result, I'm massively simplifying this. But at the same time, it's all true. It's just simple. So in 1 Corinthians 10.24, I'm going to read the King James here first because it says something that is so shocking. And you're going to see the new King James in the next translation say it in a way that will try and help people understand it. But I just want you to chew on the the King James translation of this. This is very interesting. 1 Corinthians 10.24, let no man seek his own but every man another's wealth. Okay, what you're seeing in that is the exact opposite of the way we're naturally wired. There is nothing native to that statement. That is a supernatural statement. That is a statement of what God Almighty does when he moves in. Because what do we do? We seek our own wealth. We compile our own fortune. We amass our own Strength. Have you ever thought about helping serve someone else's life? That, I mean, I, I, when, when you're in America, you don't even use the term another's wealth, okay? That, well, you know, like in, uh, uh, what was it called? Y2K, there we go. So we go back almost 20 years to Y2K, right? Now, during Y2K, everyone was amassing their own storehouse, How many of you uh, thought, well, some of you weren't even alive, thought of like bringing baked beans to your neighbor and saying, hey, here's a can of baked beans for your storehouse. Are are we considering in a time of crisis someone else's baked bean collection? Someone else's stockpiling of water? And do they have what they're gonna need in a time of crisis? Think about that. That's how a Christian thinks. Isn't that the most bizarre thing? See, most people run to self Preserve in a time of crisis. So you'll see the gas line move, uh, and you'll see people fighting over things in, this, in the grocery store to grab the last one off the shelf. Could you imagine if you were like, hey, people put a sign at your house, I have resources, come to me, I would like to serve. No one does that. No one's going to give away their strength in a time of crisis. They're going to keep their strength. A Christian is precisely opposite the world system. Jesus Christ, though he had everything, gave it all up. And was, he, was it taken advantage of? Yes. By most people of the earth, they took advantage of God's grace. And they didn't cherish it and treat it as something that was the gift of God to them. And they spurned it in so doing. God is willing to give up everything. And he sought our wealth I mean, that's just an incredible thought. So the, the New King James translation is like, no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. It says the same thing, but the reason I yo- use the wealth one is because it's shocking to our soul. When we see the other one, we're like, oh, amen. That's, that's, that's precious. It's that's, that's a neat statement. The first one sort of jars us, as, especially if you're a North American at all. I don't know how it affected the Swiss person in here, but... Uh, It was worse. (laughs) That's right. You have the Geneva Bank in Switzerland. (laughs) And so as a result, if we were to begin to think like Christians, live like Christians, what would it be? You see, we cannot make our model of living based around a system of this earth. We are transformed and renewed by the Spirit of God so that we could behave like the invisible realm. So here's another statement that's, again, a very simple summary of what happens when Jesus moves in. But you have Paul and Barnabas who are being sent out to minister to the Gentiles. It's a key moment uh, in, the, in the story of Paul, in the life of Paul. In Galatians 2.10, they desired only that we should remember the poor. So this is what the uh, apostles that are sending him, laying hands on them, are saying, they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. And so as a result, what you see is this thing. It's like, if you're going to go out, make sure that you don't just go out with the letter of the gospel, but with the love of the gospel. You see, many of us, we study the letter of the truth. And it's important. You must know the truth. However, there is a dimension to the truth that is action. And if you have the gospel, but you don't love with the gospel, what good is it? If you have resource, but you don't love with your resource, if you have strength, but you don't love with your strength, what's the good of you having that strength? Why did God give it to you in the first place? It's so that you could give. It's so that you could love with your life. That does not mean you don't care for your family. If you're a a man in here and you're like, wait a minute, am I supposed to just give everything away? It's that you are thinking outwardly and not merely selfishly. Every one of us needs to make sure we get dressed in the morning. So don't just dress everyone else and then forget to dress yourself. There is still a need to tend to the issues of our individual self. But not at the expense of what we are here for. Our priority is to deny ourselves and remember Christ's agenda. And so in so doing, the world is transformed. So love is a higher behavior than mere law abiding. So many people think that the highest form of Christianity would be to keep God's commandments. And by the way, that's important. It's important that when God says to do something, you do it, right? But the highest thing that you should do is love. And when you love, you actually fulfill all the other commandments. So if you are loving, you actually are taking care of things in the first place. But love is the highest behavior And it's a higher behavior than mere law abiding. So Dub asked me a question. Dub's now 11. This was, oh, I don't know, four or five years ago. He says, Daddy, would it be illegal to speed if by speeding you rescued someone's life? And he was just thinking that through as we were driving down the road. And so I'll give you my answer here. Daddy's answer. Dub, the law is set in place to help people and not harm people. The law has a letter and it has a spirit. The letter says, no, you can't speed no matter what. But the Spirit says, if it is in the loving interest of another, and speeding would save a life, then you must speed. So when it is love, the law, think about this. A policeman comes, pulls you over and says, "Uh, sir, you were going uh, too fast. My wife is in labor. We need to get to the hospital as soon as possible. Oh, okay. And he turns on his lights. The law turns on its lights and leads you down the interstate. Okay? The law is subservient to love. You hear that? The law is subservient to love. Love is higher. So when it is love, the law turns on its sirens and escorts you down the interstate. The pregnant woman needing to get to the hospital. Praise God I've never had that exact circumstance. Uh, That sounds very stressful. (laughs) The ten booms protecting the Jews. They're breaking the law, guys. The law, and when the Nazis came in, the law of the land said that they are supposed to expose all Jews and give them over to the Gestapo. Instead, the ten booms violate the law because they are doing something higher, which is loving the Jews. Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles, it was illegal. And yet, because of God's love, and as as the disciples said or the apostles, you decide amongst yourself is it better for us to obey man or God? When love is in the ascendant, you love. You must love. It's the highest order. Amy Carmichael rescuing girls being dedicated to the Hindu temple for child prostitution. Well, that was illegal. What are you doing, Amy? You can't do that. You're violating the laws of India. To love. David eating the showbread. S-H-E-W, it should be. And then Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And what does Jesus say? The Sabbath is here for your benefit. Uh, you know, th- to love on. This is what we do on love. It's to heal, to give, To serve. Ox in the ditch, a sheep in a pit. Is it, Do you just leave the ox? It's in, a, it's in a ditch, but it's the Sabbath. Love is still higher. Take care of your ox. How much more so, take care of a blind man? Take care of a poor person? I mean, come on, guys. That's what Jesus himself is teaching. Love trumps. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. That's what Jesus teaches. It's lawful, think about this, to do good. It's lawful to love. You better believe it, it's lawful to love. That's what we do, it fulfills it all, it fulfills all righteousness. It's lawful to do that which is more excellent always. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. You know that if this world tells you you can't be joyful, if this world tells you you can't have peace, if this world tells you you can't be patient and kind, you can't be good or godly, you can't be faithful and gentle, you can't be self-controlled, you do what the hand inside of you is telling you to do. You express the love of Jesus Christ, even if that means you have to violate the laws of the land and you're thrown into prison. We show Jesus. That's what we do. It's the highest order. Yes, we obey the laws of the land as far as they don't ask us to violate the very essence of what the hand desires to do inside of us. The hand desires to love. And so we cannot walk by someone who is dying because the law says, leave them be, if we know that we have something that they need. Ooh, there's tensions right there. And that's why civil disobedience and imprisonment has been a common theme for many of the greatest Christian men and women throughout history because they must express that invisible realm in this natural realm. So we're gonna finish with this, Romans 8, two through four. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Father, I ask that you would reveal yourself in and through us. Lord, as we meditate upon this amazing reality of the gospel, Lord, I pray that we would see it more clearly. We would respond more concretely. Lord, we love you. And we desire to have you love through us. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day. Week or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at Ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.